Olá pessoal, tudo bem? Welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley. And today I'm joined by Juliana Wallenkamp of BitGo, who is the head of institutional sales for LATAM. And today we're going to be talking about uh, BitGo's role in Latin America and Brazil, and we're going to be learning more about Juliana and also about how the, uh, the role of custody is uh, such an important uh, component of the Brazilian crypto market here as it is everywhere. Um, Juliana, thank you so much for being here. No, I thank you. Thank you so much for the invite. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I'm super excited and let's go. Amazing. Well, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? You've been in crypto for quite some time now. We'd love to get uh, some more information about your background. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I have now six years of experience in the market. So I know that is not a long time, but when we consider and when we look to the crypto market, I have some great stories and experiences uh, in this ecosystem. So basically, I started my career. I received a client back then that uh, was having some troubles to do FX to buy Bitcoin abroad. And then I jump in in a meeting like with them just to learn more about what Bitcoin is. The, the year was 2016. And then when I started to learn during the meeting, like the, the whole mission and purpose of the market, like at the same time, I see an instant link with international payments. When I started my career, like 12 years ago, I was basically doing international trade and negotiating commodities with Africa and Asia. So you can imagine the timing to a financial transaction to reach Latin America when we are considering this type of countries. Like imagine how many days a transaction from Angola could reach Brazil. It was around mm -hmm. six, seven commercial days. So when I learned about the, you know, all the benefits of blockchain and Bitcoin, At that time, it was like a click in my mind, like, oh, this could solve this type of problem. So I left the meeting, like, I need to learn more about this. I was super intrigued, like, what is this? What, what is this technology about? So I started with the basics, like Bitcoin 101, white paper, who is Satoshi, what is going on? And, and then, like, six months later, I was working for this company. The company is Transfero the issuers okay. of BRZ. When I joined the company, it was very, very small, different from the, the size and the, and the infrastructure that they have today. So I was basically responsible for business development and the commercial area, helping them with different fronts, like the payment gateway that they had in the past, OTC negotiations, investment fund, and also approach to do the fundraising with the final clients. And later on, I was dealing more with the BRZ, helping them on that. Then I left the company. I went uh, on Ripple. At Ripple, I was responsible for Latin America in general as business development as well. So I was in touch with multiple countries, basically banks, financial providers, fintechs to use the Ripple Net technology, also central banks. Because when we see Latin America, we still have the problem of um, the control that the central bank have around the economies uh, from the ground. So we had to ask for permission in some countries in order to operate. Otherwise, this could be interpreted like money evasion. Mm. So we had interaction with central bank in Argentina as well in Brazil. Super, super interesting. Later on, I moved to Gemini to help them on the expansion into Latin. So leading the efforts in Brazil, basically, to launch the platform. And now I'm in BitGo. So super, super excited with the momentum that we have right now in the country, not only Latin America for sure, but globally speaking, but especially in Brazil, we have this movement that it's happening with regulator. We will discuss more about that, but I think it's a great time to work in crypto. I'm super motivated with the ecosystem. I have strong beliefs in the technology, in the mm -hmm. industry. So that's a little bit about me. That's great. I love your experience and your background because it has, you've, you've, you've covered, you know, you've been in the, the payment side of things. You've been kind of the business development side of things. You've been, now you're on the custody side. 
But you also have a lot of experience working for uh, like a Transfero, which is a, a Brazilian company that's 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 been kind of birthed here in Brazil and it's expanded. But you've also been working for overseas companies, like kind of name brand, household name, crypto companies that are trying to expand into new markets. So you've kind of seen um, you know both sides of the coin, so to speak, as far as operating in Brazil from a, a local company perspective and also from a foreign company perspective, trying to enter into the market. How do you how would you kind of distinguish those two experiences, or maybe what are what are what's most different about um, you know working for a country a company that's trying to an established company that's trying to penetrate the market mm -hmm. rather than uh, a local company that's trying to sort of bootstrap itself in the market? Yeah, that's a great question. I I, I guess the biggest struggle that the offshore companies have when they think about Latin America is what we call tropicalization. It's basically localization, but we adapt because we are a tropical country and area. Um, but basically, it's to truly understand the nuances, the different nuances of cultural aspects. Language can be a barrier as well. And the way that companies here make business. So when we're, we're talking about, you know, this intersection between developed countries and super development countries, we have big difference. Uh, as well in crypto industry. So this is, this is a big, um, I, I would say, challenge that the companies usually face. Mm. Because also when we think about Latin America, okay, we have only Brazil who speaks Portuguese. We have several countries who speak Spanish. But even between themselves, it's very, very different. We need to consider the political aspects, social, economic. So it's several different, um, how can I say, um, problems and also opportunities that sometimes a company who is based in the U.S. don't take into consideration. Right, right. And this is an issue that I think you find in, in any industry. You respect. Yeah. Not, it's not just crypto, right? It's, yeah. it's you, Foreign companies have for years been having, you know, <laughs> their share of problems trying to enter into the Brazilian market, whether you're software, whether you're manufacturing, whether you're crypto, whatever. Brazil kind of has its own sort of unique set of problems and, and cultural nuances, I guess, or, or kind of, you know, barriers to entry and that type of thing. Um, I think you, you see a lot of those same same hurdles in crypto, like, like yeah. the ones you've just been talking about. So it's interesting to kind of get your perspective, having been on both sides of that. Um, we'd love to, to talk a bit more about, about BitGo specifically. And um, like, you know, I think most people in crypto know about BitGo. It's been around for a while, mm -hmm. probably about 10 years at this point. It's kind of a household name. You know that either, either either they've seen Mike Belshi speak somewhere, or they know him, or whatever. But maybe talk a bit about more about what Bitco does. I think the important thing to know about Bitco is it's not just a custodian, right? It's that's kind of the the, the main service, but there's a lot of other services that uh, Bitco offers. So we'd love to kind of get an idea of like what's what does Bitco do, and what's kind of the focus of of your uh, what's your focus as you're looking to expand the business here in Latin America? No, absolutely. So, as you said, BitGo has 10 years in the market already. Um, and the, the company was founded by Mikey Belch, who is also the, the owner, the, the creator of the MoodSeek uh, wallet protocol that we use right now for cold wallets. So, basically, I like to tell a story about custody when I explain about BitGo. So, 10 years ago, like I, I used to call it like custody 1.0 because we were simply a company to do safekeeping of tokens and coins. That's it. Like Mikey Belch used to be an investor back then. So he saw like this, this lack of players in the market to serve institutional um, stakeholders. And that could be, um, that could bring actually security besides mm -hmm. infrastructure. So this was the main purpose of the company since day zero. We used to say that the company was structured on trust and also to deliver trust to find clients. Right. So our approach was always institutional markets. So we serve clients like banks, financial institutions, hedge funds, asset managers, family office, as well as crypto providers like exchanges, lending companies, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, we are the intersection between mm -hmm. the builders the, the crypto ones and the traditional sector. We are like this this bridge between the two worlds. And and the good thing actually is that we are we as infrastructure providers we can serve um, solutions basically from one point 
to another in a very seamless way. Um, so 10 years ago, we were the CFKP company, as, as I told you. Then we evolved for the custody 2.0. So we started to see in the market a need mm -hmm. for more transparency, to be regulated, because again, we were serving basically regulated companies. So when a bank is looking for a provider, it's like 100% sure or, or almost 100% sure that they are looking for a regulated company as well to serve them because they have compliance protocols, QACs, etc. So we become a trust company. So we were one of, of the first companies to truly become a crypto custodian, fully regulated. So right now we are regulated in four different jurisdictions, being South Dakota, um, New York, Germany, and also Switzerland. And there's a big difference when we are talking about a regulated custodian because when we, and, and the SEC in US just released like some new announcements about that as well. When we are talking about a regulated custodian, we are talking basically about three different aspects. The first one is the fiduciary responsibility. So mm -hmm. we have the responsibility under the client's assets that are, you know, uh, that we have the custody on. So with that, we need to take uh, a better look into which are our security protocols, uh, what are the, you know, the, the points that we need to take more attention on to avoid hackers or, I don't know, leak of information even from inside. Um, the second one, it's the segregation of assets. So we have the obligation, it's mandatory for us to segregate um, the assets of the clients. We can never commingle them. So that's mm. another very Another relevant hot topic, right? <laughs> yeah, especially now, right? After everything that happened with FTX, Genesis, and et cetera. The third one, it's the regulatory point. Okay. So we are basically under the umbrella of financial regulators. It's not easy at all. So we need to comply with, as I was saying before, the compliance procedures, audits. So BitGo, they have um, SOC 1 and also SOC 2 for our internal procedures and methodologies. So we are a very, very transparent and compliant com uh, company in the, in the eyes of the regulator. And this makes a, a whole difference when we are looking hmm. to crypto, especially now, yeah. right? Uh, we have the insurance already also because this is obliged. So the insurance is around $250 million uh, and cover a lot of different uh, scenarios. So going back to the custody history, sorry, I'm, I'm going too far here, but going back to the uh, custody history, we move it. So in, in custody 2.0, we become regulated to truly serve our institutional clients. And then now we are facing the custody 3.0 um, time. This means that besides serving with custody, besides providing the cold wallet, hot wallet, self-managed hot uh, self-managed wallet um we also added some features to to the platform so right now we have trading so we offer liquidity to our main clients we are connected with multiple liquidity providers to, oh interesting to, i didn't realize that okay it is it, it's super interesting uh and this is through one single integration so the client right now uh can access Custody trading DeFi through a MetaMask direct integration is taking as well. So this means that there are clients who have, for example, Ethereum in a cold wallet can leave the Ethereum there, but also benefit from staking. So he has a yield uh, related to what would be uh, custody um, anyway. And we are also serving tokenization. So tokenization uh, projects, for example, a company wants to launch a new reward program or a new coin related to their business. So we are also able to help with meat, burn, custody, et cetera. Got it, got it. That's one of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, to what extent is uh, the custody services you're providing like just to, to you know, your kind of bread and butter crypto coins and ERC-20 tokens, that type of thing, visa, visa be maybe 
you know, maybe my uh, a tokenized an NFT that represents mm -hmm. my house or like, you know, yeah. other type of tokenized asset or like a loyalty point that uh, we've, we've had like you know, New Bank and Mercado Libre here in, in Brazil uh, issuing have these tokenized loyalty programs. And there's a whole host of other kind of tokenized asset um, uh, questions or, you know, there's a whole bunch of these kind of things in development right now. And I think one of the one of the big you know, I think one of the big concerns that people have about these things is, well, if I lose the key to my if my house is like represented in the form of an NFT and I lose the key to my wallet, then how do I prove that I, you know, I own this house? Right. So yeah. the custody question becomes a lot more important um, for these types of assets. Right. I think. And, and, and so that so that's kind of in your roadmap as well, then is providing basically providing this type of custody solution for you know, not just like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but any type of blockchain based asset. Is that, is that a correct analysis? That's it. Actually, right now we have more than 800 coins, tokens connected to our infrastructure. We are always adding new protocols, new projects. Actually, it's um, under demand. We are seeing the trends in the market, but also if a client has a specific token that wants to do the custody with us, it's uh, a very straightforward process. Just submit a form. We analyze internally, you know, QIC, who is in the back of the of the project, uh, what is the point of the project, and we can integrate very, very easily. So you're right, like, besides the very traditional assets that we have in the market, we are also able to, to provide infrastructure to different types of tokens, mm -hmm. projects, and also NFTs. Right, okay. Okay, so all the above. So basically any type of digital asset that you might have, yeah. that, that you might, like, dream of creating someday, uh, Bitgo is capable. They have, Bitgo has capability of custody, all that stuff. Essentially, that's the that's kind of the the takeaway. And that, then and then there's all these other. So that's the bread and butter. That's the core business model. And then there's all these other things on top. There's like the liquidity provision. There's access to DeFi via MetaMask integrations mm -hmm. uh, and access to sort of to, to yield generation opportunities and things of that nature. Um, and um, I want to talk about one of my favorites, Wrapped Bitcoin. Uh, I was, I guess, I was an early Wrapped Bitcoin adopter user um, in like 2019 or 2020, whenever it first came out. But um, so, but Bitco is is the largest, you know, issuer in Estonian mm -hmm. of, of Wrapped Bitcoins. And um, I guess, what, what's what's the state of like the Wrapped Bitcoin universe right now? Is this something that you're seeing, you know, clients? You know, is this something that people are, are kind of, is there still a lot of activity in this market or is this the type of thing where, um, I mean, I personally kind of stopped using it because mm -hmm. I, I just became a bit afraid of some of these like bridge hacks and things. And mm -hmm. so as these risks became a bit more apparent, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, if it's wrapped, maybe it's, it's not actually Bitcoin if it's wrapped on another chain and there's no guarantee I can get it out. So I've taken a bit more of a conservative approach on, on using some of these things, but um, would love to hear a bit more about uh, like these types of products, mm -hmm. and because um, I found it, it's a, it's an incredibly valuable like innovation to be able to take your Bitcoin and be able to use it on other other chains and yeah. different opportunities. So, would love to hear a bit more about how that's that that particular line of business is is progressing, and and if um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the the point that you mentioned about the hacking, it's actually very very low. So because the custody it's with us. And again, we have these strong procedures on security and everything is like uh, stored offline. So the risk is absolutely zero. Bitcoin was never hacked. So this is a, is a great point also to highlight. But we, we are definitely working with some new, how can I say, approaches for rapid Bitcoin. We can announce very, very shortly. For now, unfortunately, I cannot disclose uh, more details about that, but we are also seeing the you know development of the crypto market uh, in general and new verticals that are starting to gain more traction and some new uses use cases as well. And we are always adapting our infrastructure to what is being becoming the next trend. So very soon we'll have more right. to disclose about the rapid Bitcoin, but we have some very interesting cases that we are starting to, as I said, develop more with the market and have more traction from the ground. And then of these of this suite of services that we've been discussing, what are you seeing the most demand for in the Latin region and Brazil specifically? Mm -hmm. uh, is it really the, I mean, is it, is it really just kind of the custody use case? Is it, is, is there a lot of interest in some of these other kind of other value added services on mm -hmm. top of that? 
uh, and maybe how how does how does this the demand for these services maybe measure up against maybe other regions that mm -hmm. might have that might be a bit more like developed uh, have a bit more developed crypto markets and ecosystems. Yeah, so definitely custody. It's our one of our strengths and, and, and the biggest demand from the ground, especially now with the new crypto bill, we are expecting that custody will be one of the main pillars of what will be the next guidelines of companies to truly operate uh, in, in the country. Following the SEC uh, recently, they also said that, for example, exchanges are not regulated companies, regulated and custodians, actually. And we are. So, and we yeah. have been in this market for a long time. We have a background, we have expertise, we have the infrastructure and the security um, to be able to serve the market in a proper way. We envision that this will grow a lot. This will keep growing, actually. And especially in Brazil, with the new bill, we, we are um, looking to the market and connecting connected to multiple players. And the majority of them are now very, very concerned about custody, especially mm -hmm. after what happened uh, with FTX. So we will keep doing our bread and butter for sure. A new product that is gaining a lot of traction as well is what we call Bitcoin Network. And oh, this okay. is very, very interesting. So let me explain you a little bit more about that. Basically, Bitgo Network will enable our clients from Code Wallet to connect directly through, uh, to our exchange partners hmm. without the need to withdraw the funds from the Code Wallet to trade in the other books of the exchange. So imagine that you are an asset manager. And you have like a strategy of high frequency. So you your daily routine is to trade um, based on arbitrage strategies or I don't know what, uh, you know, the, the, the type of the operations. For example, futures, had, etc. So imagine that you want to rely on the robust infrastructure of Bitcoin for custody, but you also want to access the order book, the, the density of the order book of the exchanges. And right now you can, but you need to ask for the trust to withdraw. This can take some time. Asset managers, they don't have time to lose, right? right because you right. can lose on every penny that the market um, evolves. So basically this product, it's a settlement APIs between Bitcoin wallet and the exchange partner wallet. So the client will have an account in both players. And, and basically he can access this feature hmm. on the same platform that I was mentioning to you before. So again, it's one single integration through API. He can leave the, the funds in the code wallet, trade during the day in the exchange at the end, when he's able, when he's ready to do the settlement, he closed the operation, and then there's a uh, uh, rebalancing between the wallets. Oh, interesting, interesting. So, so the funds are locked up. It, the funds don't ever leave the cold wallet initially, and then I, I you know, I, I, I trade nine to five uh, using, you know, using basically almost like a would essentially be like a synthetic at, or it wouldn't even necessarily be the synthetic asset. It's just a question of accounting, right? Yeah. So I would be trading, and at the end of the day, when I'm done trading, uh, it, everything automatically settles, and uh, you know the funds would either be withdrawn from my Bitcoin account or deposited back into my Bitcoin account, or my Bitcoin account, I guess, depending on whether I made or lost money, I suppose. That's right. Uh, so, but essentially, the, the funds never have to actually leave. I'm trading with funds without with, with these coins, but I'm they're not actually leaving my wallet, essentially, or my cold storage wallet with, with Bitcoin. So that's... That's it. Does anything like that exist on the market right now? Is that... Um, from actually from with the same feature, like with the coins in a cold wallet, offline environment, 100% insured uh, by an external company, being a trust company with the, fiduciary, with, with the fiduciary responsibility. No. So that's the first time we are deploying and something in the crypto market like that. And we did that because we understand the pain points of the client, you know. Sure. So as a crypto company, we also need to be very dynamic. So we need to see what our client has as pain point. We need to be fast. We need to adapt ourselves internally and then be able to offer and supply that to the market. Otherwise, we are 
going to stay on the back of the whole movement. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think that's the main differentiation is like that you have, you know, there might be other brokerages that offer this type of service, but uh, but none of these folks are necessarily, you know, a regulated trust that's custodian, it. a qualified custodian, essentially. They don't necessarily meet this criteria, uh, especially given you know the, the news at the SEC that you were mentioning, where where Gensler was basically, you know, or there was a kind of a whole vote on this, but that you know, crypto exchanges just themselves don't necessarily constitute regulated custodians. And um, yeah, a lot of people in the industry were sort of upset about that. But then I, heard, I remember I heard a podcast with Mike Belsh, and he's like, he's like, oh, it's great, it's great for us because we're regulated custodian. It is. So you know, I mean, yeah. So it's it's you know, there's always winners and losers with these things. So. Um, Wanted to ask a bit more along the lines of um, just kind of the dynamics that you're seeing you're seeing here in the ground in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think we have there's both things on the regulatory front, mm-hmm. and I realize you're not maybe necessarily a policy person, but it's something you're area you're engaged in. Uh, but then also on the on just the general kind of market expansion and market development front, and I think I'll start with just sort of the market development angle, and I think. You know, Brazil, as it seems currently, is the crypto market in Brazil is very much like a kind of a retail-driven market. Like there hasn't necessarily been this institutional herd of of, of like you know large investors and family yeah. offices and hedge funds kind of coming into the market like you've seen in some other jurisdictions. Um, so I assume that your primary clients here are, are more you know kind of exchanges or asset managers um, and that those types of or those are your kind of your target clients at the moment, but. Would be really interested to get your your sense as to you know some of these kind of larger institutional you know you know whether like hedge funds or family office type mm-hmm. clients um, your your kind of institutional herd type investors that people in crypto have been talking about for years right <laughs> like they're um, but would love to kind of get your thoughts on or your, what what are you seeing on the ground as far as from this demographic of people of, of investors. How are how are these people viewing the market right now? Just given yeah. kind of the uh, the current state of things in, in in Brazil specifically. No, absolutely. And Brazil is a very you know interesting country right now because for some years ago you were completely right. I mean, the main products that were offered to retail was basically exchange products. So it was buy, sell, and hold of crypto assets. Then we had like the ETFs. We had one or another like. Uh, tokenization, like what Mercado Bitcoin did with the Precatorius in, in the back like some years ago. Uh, but then, like, for a long time, it was only the same type of offerings, you know? And the thing is, with the development of the market, with the um, development of the talks about the regulatory ecosystem in Brazil, things are starting to become more interesting like day after day. So right now we have many, many uh, financial services being tokenized, even by traditional banks. So these guys that you just mentioned, like big, big banks, they are also doing their work, like tokenizing financial traditional assets. And this, in my point of view, is just the beginning. Uh, We also have some new payment solutions, lending solutions, starting to be more like normal, more, 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 uh, how can I say, more present in our day. But going back to the financial advisors, asset managers and family office, you're right. Like in, in for a long time, they had some kind of allergy for this topic because basically they don't know nothing mm-hmm. about it. And it's, it's not something to blame them. On the contrary, imagine that their bread and butter for a long time is to invest in traditional assets, shares, companies, bonds, etc. And from nowhere, people start to talk about Bitcoin. And no one actually knows what Bitcoin is because it's a very complex market full yeah. of technological nuances. Right. Even for us, like sometimes to us as a DeFi protocol can be tricky it's not so easy you know it's not something that you plug plan and go right um so i see like an appetite from these clients to enter crypto i feel that they still lack information and and a strategy around that for some of the new ones i'm seeing a lot of new asset managers being built for crypto strategies okay. so this is also interesting to see 
we have more ETFs right now with yeah. PR Capital and also hashtags. They were the leaders in the market in that front. Um, a lot of family office, they prefer to buy ETFs still. Right. Instead of going directly to an exchange and okay. buying Bitcoin for their for their customers. The, mm, the main yeah. thing is, imagine if you are a family office, imagine that you are an asset manager. You are taking care of the money of a third party, right? Yeah. So if you don't know like properly about the subject, it's very risky to enter, for example, with, let's imagine FTX have a yeah. huge position of, and let's be conservative, of Bitcoin and material and live there. So mm -hmm. we saw what happened in the market. So right now with the new crypto bill, I feel that the companies, banks, they will start to be a little bit more comfortable in moving positions into this new crypto, in, into this new asset class. And also with the the team of custodian, custodians being regulated as well, this will bring more safety and security to them at the end of the day. So imagine like, again, you are an asset manager, you are in a family office, you take care of the money of someone else, but you can rely on a qualified custodian mm -hmm. and you can say to them, okay, you have a Bitcoin position here, but if something happens, and never happened, I like yeah. to, to do this <laughs> highlight, uh, there's an insurance of $250 million in case happens, a uh, hacking happens, a leak of information from, from internal employees happens. So yeah. you'll be more, you know, as I said, like easygoing to start to look into this new class. Yeah, and, and I think your your points are spot on about how just having having this type of kind of regulated custodial entity and kind of a framework for this that that folks in the traditional finance ecosystem or asset managers or folks who are managing other people's money where you can't really afford to be just kind of playing these weird games with, you know, like wallets on your computer and things. It needs to be, there needs to be more sophisticated operation for, for securing these, these types of funds. And in the, I mean, there's been a huge kind of debate in, in, in Brazil regulatory wise or, or with regards to this new legislation mm -hmm. that was just passed about the question of asset segregation. Yeah. Uh, it's something I've written about a lot about something I've interviewed a lot of people about, um, Obviously, um, you know, having this is obviously something you're probably on, you know, firmly on one side of the debate on, given that it's sort of your core line of business here, custodying assets. Um, but would love to get your thoughts on, um, you know, I guess, why was this ultimately, this provision, this requirement was ultimately like left out of the bill, out of the final law. Mm -hmm. And it, it what we, we learned this week from some, uh, from an event we were at earlier this week from, from a central bank official was that, they're they're not quite as certain that they might they can really enact this implement this rule in mm -hmm. the re regulatory framework. Whereas previously, a few months ago, they had been signaling that like we're going to do this, we're going to find a way to do it. And then yesterday or earlier this week, the comments were much more um, like, "We'll see what we can do, but we may have to go back through the legislative process to do this." Yeah. Um, so I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on on that whole situation and. Um, and also just more generally on how the central bank is maybe viewing uh, viewing custody, the issue of custody and how they're going to be regulating custodians, um, irrespective of the asset segregation uh, mm -hmm. question. Yeah, so we cannot blame the central bank. I mean, the they didn't include that in the past, but there's a lot of to look to the market. And again, this is the first crypto bill. So sometimes it's, it's tricky, it's difficult to add everything on, on the same instrument. Uh, meanwhile, you are you, you are building and structuring a whole new things uh, yeah. in parallel, right? And, and also, the crypto market changes very fast. Yes. So when the crypto bill was designed, was structured like FTX was not a problem. The, the episode was at, at the end of last year. So this yeah. was not a point of concern, like for, for, and, and not for only for the regulators, but for many companies. Like the case of custody and, you know, uh, the look that the companies are, are, are having right now to, to, to this specific vertical in crypto was not a point of concern mm. for a long time. 
And, and again, we cannot blame the, the, the regulator due to that because the things evolve very fast. Like yeah. we, we see every day like new things emerging, companies breaking, another project like arising. And it is what it is. The crypto market has this type of dynamic, right? The thing is we can learn with the past. And we can try to avoid the same mistakes in the future. And that's the point right. where we are approaching right now. And the central bank, he has like a full intention to do the right thing in the country to promote more market structure. This is a very, very important topic of discussion here for us because BitGo also has this intention to bring more market um, structure into crypto. And mm -hmm. why I say that? You were mentioning like the traditional players. For example, when we look for an investment fund, they have their roles very well defined and, and separated. Right. So we have the custodian, we have the manager, we have the the company who does the insurance, we have the administration administrator. So why crypto should be different? It shouldn't. When we're talking about institutional money, we need to have this structure in crypto as well because this brings more security. Then we know like each player and the rules that they need to follow. And that's what we are trying to bring to Brazil as well. Like this, this benchmark that we have, for example, in the jurisdictions that I mentioned that we are um, regulated. So we have this up and running in South Dakota, New York, Europe as well. And we are trying to bring that to Brazil. Right now, we don't have a specific uh, point on the crypto bill uh, on how custodians should operate. But we know uh, until, uh, for now that we're going to become what, what they're calling VASPs. So, so we will be like on, we will be directed to this VASP uh, guidelines as well. We are already structured in the country to become as the, as the view is live. Um, but we are like fully transparent with regulators every country where we operate. And a VASP is a virtual asset service provider, That's right? It. Which is sort of defined by the, by the FATF, the Internet Financial Action Task Force. And I think when, you know, the, the image that comes to mind when we think of a VASP is, is like a, a regular kind of exchange, like a Coinbase or Binance or something. Mm -hmm. but, but because you are also operating in that space of like you're offering the custody, but you're also offering the trading, mm -hmm. essentially you check all the boxes to be regulated yeah. as a VASP, even if you're, you know, at least on the surface, you're not like a Coinbase, right? Mm -hmm. But you're performing essentially the same functions, just with different emphases, yeah. right? Um, one thing I'd like to, to ask about is, um, you know, you mentioned you're regulated in four different jurisdictions, uh, Switzerland, uh, two states in the U.S., South Dakota, New York. Uh, and New York, and then what was the other? Germany. Germany. Yeah, yeah. Germany. Okay. Um, and just kind of curious as to, I mean, I mean, the U.S. has these these qualified custodian rules, mm -hmm. and it sounds like the same exists in Europe. And I know this has always been sort of a hurdle for crypto companies, you know, dating back to, you know, 2017, 2018, even, mm -hmm. even before that, this has always been kind of a, a thorny point where there was, mm -hmm. there was never any real clear guidance out of the, the regulators as far as like who can actually be considered a qualified custodian when it comes to crypto. Right. And I mean, I think, I mean, I, th I remember I interviewed like Caitlin Long about this in 2017. Right. And she was, you know, she was, it was like her, you know, her, her life's mission at that point in time was to get a qualified custodian rule, uh, you know, implemented of some sort or some guidance. And just, just kind of curious as to, um, you know, how does how does the how do the qualified custodian rules in Brazil uh, match up or, or compare or differ to those in the U.S. or, or maybe other you know, European jurisdictions? And then also how has this really been has the lack of like custo qualified custodian, um, you know, these types of rules in here in Brazil been like a hindrance to the industry's development at all, perhaps in the same way it may have been in the U.S.? Um, I mean, it feels like we're kind of this is sort of a, a retrospective question here, given that we're we're kind of at this point where we have some more guidance now on these things than we did before, but just kind of wondering if, if Brazil's had some of these same issues that we saw in the U S around just kind of a lack of guidance on this area. And, um, and particularly in the U S you had, uh, uh, FINRA, I believe it was, which is kind of the, the, the self the industry industry, like self-regulatory agency, um, which was also kind of 
stonewalling and deliberately not, you know, providing guidance on these types of things, presumably at the behest of the SEC. So there was there was a lot of kind of anxiety, I think, in the industry about like, hey, we want we're looking for the rules to follow, but like nobody's yeah. nobody's telling us and nobody's approving us, and all of our applications just end up like just on somebody's desk somewhere and they never mm-hmm. get approved or whatever, you know. So, but just kind of curious as to you know, has Brazil kind of had a, a similar uh, similar pain points? Yeah, so, so I guess, as, as I was telling before, the question was not on the spotlight, like since last year, for example. I mean, even with some exchanges that we have a relationship, after FTX, we were going back to them and asking only to learn more about the market as well. Like, do you know what is a custodian with fiduciary responsibility? Mm. And some of them said no. So this is a point of attention, right? Because again, like the financial sector, the traditional, they are very well prepared already because basically they are following the same rules for decades. Right. With crypto, it's different because we still don't have the rules. So we are building the rules. We are structuring the market. We are building the products. So we never know what is going to arrive like in the next following years and things are fast. So... We need to adapt, we need to be fast, and the regulation at this point needs to truly understand the characteristics of the market and help them as well. Like, we cannot structure, like, rules that don't fit the crypto market, otherwise they will be, like, impossible to, to be followed. We don't say, like, the central bank with disposition. On the contrary, I think the central bank of Brazil is doing a tremendous job. Like, we have... Already, we are like benchmark for other types of projects, for example, as open finance mm. and also peaks. And with crypto, they are following the same like innovation, like the disruptor uh, role in, in, in the market as well. And we are seeing like projects related to CBDCs. We are seeing projects related to rules that the crypto companies exchanges need to follow either like respond to areas, the Receita Federal from Brazil to follow which type of information the company needs to serve, etc. So again, like we are in this momentum right now and custody, it's on the momentum as well. So I feel that BitGo is preparing itself for the last 10 years for the moment that we are seeing right now. And what you asked about the differences between a regulated custodian in Brazil or US or Europe, I can't really don't see any type of difference because the main pillars we need to follow. So fiduciary responsibility, we need to be um, obliged to have responsibility open what we have under custody. We need to do the segregation of assets. We need to follow regulations, compliance, internal procedures, audits, etc. So at the end, it's very similar, just again, respecting like local lo- local laws and the specific demands that the market eventually have. Right, right. So one other question I had is, um, and we've kind of answered part of this already, uh, but I just want to ask the question maybe a different way. Um, is that... A- a number of the other um, exchanges, more kind of retail-focused exchanges, mm-hmm. at least in the U.S., like your Coinbase and the Gemini, also have their own custodial products, right? Yeah. I think this was this was sort of one of the areas where people got kind of riled up but mm-hmm. at, 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 at the news from the SEC uh, probably last month about about how Gensler saying that crypto exchanges aren't necessarily regulated custodians, uh, or they can't necessarily be regulated custodians. But a lot of these exchanges have their own you know, custodial products, mm-hmm. and they've been they've been building these things up for some time. And I'm just kind of you're just kind of thinking of like what would what is sort of the difference in the value proposition between like you know a Coinbase custody or I don't I don't I'm not sure who in Brazil would be like a similar competitor like mm-hmm. I think Mercado Bitcoin 2TM is offering I think they have their own kind of custodial solution mm-hmm. uh, now kind of following the, the model of Coinbase but like what would be the, the value proposition of using um, like a, a service like Bitgo vis a vis some of these other uh, services where Maybe you know the the, the you know, obviously I'll, I'll kind of answer the question for you to a certain extent where it's like obviously bread and custody is kind of the bread and butter of BitGo and everything else is sort of an add-on where these more of these retail exchanges it's more of 
the exchange is the is the the key feature, and then yeah. the custody is kind of an add-on. Um, but there's also some extra benefits that you can you can tap into as well there. So just kind of curious as to your how would you articulate the value proposition vis-a-vis some of the other um, um, kind of you know types of custo- crypto custodians on the market? Yeah. What would be the kind of the value? What would be the, the value add that Bitco adds there? Yeah. So that's a great question. And in, in the case of qualified custodians, regulated custodians, qualified custodians don't have like a, a translation. So you know, um, like that, that has a meaning in Brazil. But a regulated custodian in the world, like we're talking about four companies, five companies maximum. Bitco is one of them. You mentioned some of some of the others, but when we look to this business, BitGo was the first custodian with a main focus on the institutional side. So we don't have a conflict of interest. We are not like working with retail as well. We are only working with institutions. At the end, our brand never appears. If a company uses BitGo, you will know if they want you to know. Otherwise, we have any James and. The market will never know because we don't have you know this this interface with the final client, and with that we are able to truly structure very strong infrastructure products. We are in the back end. We 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 develop like white label solutions, and it's mm-hmm. it, as I said, like it's, it's completely different when we are talking about Coinbase or, or Gemini, for example. Got it. Got it. And then. I mean, just given that there's there's such a a small number of of custodians, uh, you know, kind of large scaled crypto custodians in the market, kind of globally. I, th- I think even Roberto Campos Neto has, has, has from the Central Bank of Brazil has has raised this point mm-hmm. as a point of concern. Is that is there a there's there's a very large kind of concentration of you know most of the, most of the world's crypto assets are custodied at like a small, very small handful of custodians, and Obviously, people trust those custodians to, mm-hmm. to put their assets there. But the the downside is like, well, the whole point of this industry is to sort of like decentralize things. And yeah. Yeah. Know, but but it, it does happen where you decentralize one thing and things will kind of re-centralize in another area, right? But I guess how would you respond to maybe this question of like, is it necessarily like, a, is it potentially a bad thing if, if there's too many of these crypto assets being custodied at a small number of, of mm-hmm. kind of mega providers, basically, or, or large institutional providers of, of, of uh, or large institutional custodians, I should say. Um, how would you respond to that argument? Yeah, so that's a, a great point. And actually, there's a lot of custodians out there that they say that they are custodians or regulated or they are licensed to be custodians. And actually, they are not. They are mainly a software provider. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. When you talk about regulated custodians, yes, we have five, four, five. When you talk about custodians, we have multiples. We have several. Because yeah. also the process to become a trust company is not easy at all. Right. It's very right. long, very bureaucratic. It's expensive. So not every company it's, you know, has appetite to, to do this type of process in order to serve the market. Right. So some of them, they offer, for example, hot wallets, softwares, basically. And also they say that they have cold wallets. At the end, they don't have the fiduciary responsibility. Yes, they have millions of assets under their custody, but they say that the assets are under client custody. That's a point of tension. Mm. If the assets is under the client custody, this means that they don't have the power, not the power, but they don't have the responsibility if something goes wrong. Oh, interesting. Okay. If you are a bank, if you are an asset manager, I would be worried with that because if the client, if the supplier don't have the, the responsibility, if a hacking, for example, happens, you're going after who? An international right. court? Right, right. Like, let's remember what an FTX, I guess it's the best example to that. Now the investors that lost their funds, after who they're going. If something happens right. to BitGo in that sense, the regulator is going to shut down our operation. It's right. different. And we are what we call bankrupt remote. So because we need to have the assets segregated, if we eventually go bankrupt, the assets of the clients, they will be protected. And we will have, for example, the FEMA going after us. Mm-hmm. So 
again, like I, I agree that we are still very centralized when we talk about regulated custodians. Right. But at the same time, we are the ones bringing robustness and also market structure to the market at the end. And yeah. when we're talking about banks, you know, big players, this needs to be a point of concern. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Is that a lot of a lot of the the, the companies that are perhaps marketing themselves as uh, you know custodians aren't necessarily like custodians in the true sort of letter of the law no, or no. as as a, as a, you traditionally define a custodian. Uh, you know, the proceed like so in the case of Bitco, like if, if if you know you have the insurance fund, right? There, there's the insurance fund. If something were to happen, like potentially reclaim you know my assets via that via via the insurance pool. And also the segregation, right? So whereas like my funds aren't going to be used to like pay for the bankruptcy proceedings, right? It's going to be all segregated and yeah. paid out back to me. So I think that's that's an important point to to sort of drive home is that there is like while there is this concentration, it's also just because we're still early enough in the game where you like it's so hard to get these, it's so hard to achieve the position that it goes into. This has been 10 years in the works, right? It's not, you can't just like open up a company and become a, you know, a, a you know, a trust company, just, you know, yeah. qualified custodian like overnight. Like there's some, a lot of players entry here uh, by design really. So, so you have a lot of other players that are kind of coming into this. I mean, you have like the Coinbase and Gemini, as we talked about, you've got um, you know, like fire blocks and copper and some of these other, um, you know, that, that, that offer, you know, pretty similar solutions. I'm not sure if those are, I'm not sure if those, any of those companies will qualify as qualified or, or, or like regulated in the same way that BitGo is. But, um, but you have a lot of other, com- like, there's a lot of competition that's kind of, you know, really heating up in this space. And, and you have, I think you're just some new upstart companies that are really coming out with some interesting new ideas on, on how to do this properly. But um, wanted to, to sort of close this out with, you know, kind of your prognosis for for the rest of the year. I mean, you're 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 tasked with kind of building out the BitGo brand and presence, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in Brazil, in Latin America, during during what's kind of what's turning out to be a pretty pretty ugly <laughs> sort of bear market. So, but what's I mean, what's what's sort of what are your sort of objectives for the next you know nine months? Like, what are you uh, where do you what's on your roadmap? No, that's that's a great question. So I. I prefer to see this type of bear market crisis as an opportunity for us. And I prefer, honestly, to work on bear market instead of bull market, because during bull market, everyone's talking about buy Bitcoin, everyone wants a piece of the cake. Yeah, it gets, it gets yeah, a little crazy. It's <laughs> completely crazy. And this also has an impact on us, the market, truly developing the products, the solutions, and, and the infrastructure. So... Well, right now we are working very hard, not only in Brazil, but in the rest of Latin America. We are very, very excited with the new crypto bear in Brazil because, as I said, we have everything that it takes to be a regulated custodian. We're just waiting okay. for the bill to be to be released, to apply for wherever the central bank wants us to, to apply for. Uh, we are seeing this great momentum of more institutions coming and the institutional money really coming to crypto, coming to this new world. Everyone wants to add uh, a, a new entity of Web3 in their right. business, or at, at least the majority of the companies in Brazil. Uh, we are also working with NFTs. So we are becoming this bridge between Web2 mm. to Web3, okay. more like uh, Web2.5. Like in US, we had this partnership with Nike, uh, with the Sush platform. Uh, oh, really? I didn't yeah. realize you were involved in that. Okay. We are the infrastructure partner in the back of the Swiss platform. Okay. So cool. basically, every retail company who wants to develop something with NFTs, we are able to assist them as well, as well as tokenization. So with this new trend of what is happening in Brazil, new products, new companies, and also the discussions within the central bank and the CVM, like we are super excited with the following months, years, being honest, because we know that with some of these players take time. Yeah. Like they're not going to decide if you're a big bank, I want a crypto solution. Next month it's deployed. No, this is not the, the case. Right, like, right. And 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 again, like they, they also need an extra um resource 
from their end to have a dedicated team to integrate, think carefully about the strategy, etc. And we are hand by hand with these players in Brazil. Like our main goal is to be the partner where the companies uh, rely to bring infrastructure and security to the market. And we have all these pieces that we discussed on the past uh, minutes that and and that put ourselves in this advantage position to truly be this company and to bring more structure to the to the country in in a high level. Great, great. Um, thank you for that. That sounds sounds like an exciting roadmap you've got. You've got your work cut out for you the next few months. But um, but you'll be applying. But basically, you'll be applying for the same you know vast license yes. from the central bank that that like a Mercado Bitcoin or a Bitso yes. or any other more like a retail focused thing. It's basically the license basically applies to any type of business that's involved in crypto, essentially that's, that's involved in sort of brokering crypto in some capacity. Right. So you would be, even though you wouldn't think of BitGo as like an exchange in the same way as a Mercado Bitcoin or something, but the license is still the same essentially for, for, for both companies. Yeah, right? th that's true. Actually, Mercado Bitcoin is not a competitor. Uh, we have complementary solutions at some times, but in the end, we are in the back. So right. we are able to, to serve these companies as well with infrastructure, and we, we don't have the retail approach. So they are not competitors at all. They are doing an amazing job here in Brazil. They are one of the main leaders that for a long time are developing the retail sector and bringing yeah. more mass adoption. So I'm super excited to be on the side of these companies for the new for the new crypto bill. And as I said, we are going to apply for the same license because we have the custody, we have liquidity, trading, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, we are on the back end. Yeah, yeah. So it's a totally different. It's, a, it's the same license, but kind of a totally different product, essentially. That's it. Or totally different product suite. Um, and just curious as to what does the rest of your team across Latin America look like? So in Brazil, it's only me for now. We have intention to grow the team until the end of the year. We're in the process of that. We also have teams in, in Mexico. Okay. So we, all, we have another director there and we have associates also helping from the ground. But we are very linked team at BitGoal. We have operations in EMEA, APAC, and also U.S., and we started growing like the teams uh, since last year, like commercially. Okay. But we are able to cover all the countries. Amazing, amazing. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Juliana, for your time here today. Uh, we're coming up on time here, but um, we'd love to turn it over to you for any any last words. Oh my, last words. So my expectation is for Bitcoin to hit one million until the end of the year. <laughs> Too optimistic? No, I'm just kidding. So I'm super excited with. The, the new bill, the, the new crypto bill. I'm super excited with Brazil, with Latin America in general. I think that we are the last frontier to truly grow crypto products. I feel that Latin America has like a huge need for this type of innovation, mostly because we are talking about a huge portion of unbanked population that it, it's, it's, it's tricky here because we have a high level of unbanked, but at the same time, we have a high level of digital adoption. Right. So these people don't have access to bank accounts, but they have Wi-Fi, they have smartphones, they can access internet, but they don't have a bank account. Crypto can come in to solve this problem. And that's why I, I also decided to jump in like six years ago to bring more inclusion, innovation, mm -hmm. disruption into the market. So I'm super, super excited with the new advances that we have in the region. Um, again, excited with the new crypto bill, excited with new partnerships that we are developing. And again, like anxious to announce the market. Unfortunately, we cannot, but stay tuned at BitGo. <laughs> and soon we are having exciting news. Amazing, amazing. And if folks want to find you or want to get in touch with you, learn more, what's the best way to find you? Um, I guess LinkedIn. I'm not so active in Twitter. I should change that because I know that's where the crypto community is. <laughs> I have an account. I follow many folks, but I don't post a lot. At LinkedIn, it's more easy to find me. We're always posting about new products, new integrations of BitGo, new solutions, new partnerships. So I, I guess the best place. Great. Well, thank you so much, Juliana, for your time. And uh, thank you for everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Aaron. Bye-bye.
Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.